on a mission. It's a mission to turn our world upside down. That happens when people hear the good news of Jesus. So get ready for God to turn you upside down. Maybe you've had a conversation with someone who's not a believer. You've shared something about your faith with that person. And in that conversation, you say something about your sin, that all of us sin, and that therefore we all need a Savior. At some point, your friend says this, But doesn't the Bible say, Judge not that ye be not judged? Your words to me about sin sound like you're making a judgment. We're not supposed to judge other people, right? Well, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Jesus indeed says that. He says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. That's a more modern translation. The old King James said this, judge not that ye be not judged. So let's spend some time reflecting on this, on this matter of making judgments. According to one dictionary, to judge means this, quote, to determine authoritatively after deliberation, especially to decide or settle something, or to form an opinion about. As followers of Jesus, may we do that? May we make determinations about something, about other people's ideas or words or their actions? I hope it's obvious. Yes, we may. Indeed, according to the Bible, we must. We must at times determine the rightness or the wrongness of things. We must decide or settle matters of biblical teaching and matters of morality. In this connection, listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. He's writing to the church in Corinth, to the believers there. He says in verse 15, quote, The spiritual person judges all things. Let me repeat that. The spiritual person judges all things. Believers, we who are filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, must judge. We must evaluate all things. Now in that place, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the word translated in English as judge, well, it's one Greek word, and it's really a different Greek word found in Matthew chapter 7. But they're referring to the same kind of thing. It's a few chapters later, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that Paul uses the exact same word that Jesus does. I won't quote the whole context, but Paul writes there and says this, What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? That is, inside the church. Those inside the church are basically believers, or at least professed believers. They say they're believers. These are those who are trusting in Jesus as Savior. The Bible says it clearly. Yes, indeed, as believers... We must evaluate or give some kind of judgment about the words and actions of other believers. So let's fix the point clearly in our minds. Part of our calling as followers of Jesus is to make judgments, to make determinations about whether something is right or wrong, whether something is good or bad. It's not only good for us to make judgments, it's often very necessary. But here's what Jesus was prohibiting in his words in Matthew chapter 7. 
He's prohibiting the wrong kind of judgment. Making judgments in a wrong way, with a wrong attitude or with a wrong purpose. In Jesus' days, that was the Jewish leaders, the teachers, the rabbis. They were the ones often making terribly wrong judgments. In fact, in context, Jesus refers to them as hypocrites. Literally, hypocrites are are people with two faces or two different sides. Hypocrites will have a, a public face and a private face. They try to look so good in public, so religious, so moral and pure, but actually in private, in secret, they're not. And one of the main groups of Jewish teachers in those days were the Pharisees. And they were displaying themselves often as hypocrites. They claimed to know and understand the Old Testament, the Jewish teachings, but on the inside and in secret, they were filled with all kinds of immorality. Jesus observed that most of these Pharisees were simply hypocrites. They looked so good, so religious outwardly, but They didn't care too much about people in need. They didn't have compassion for people who were hurting. They they weren't promoting justice or, or fairness for the poor and the powerless. Outwardly, they were very strict. They themselves observed their Jewish rules and rituals. They judged those who didn't observe their rules and rituals. But inwardly, they were filled, says Jesus, with all kinds of sin, pride and greed and jealousy. Yet, they were quick to judge others. So that's the context of Matthew 7, verse 1, the judge not verse. Jesus is condemning the judging that was done in those days by the Jewish Pharisees and other religious leaders. They were the ones judging so hypocritically. Let me read the full section, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your eye, you hypocrite? Let me give a small example of hypocrisy displayed by those Jewish leaders in Jesus' day. They, for example, would condemn people so strictly for not washing their hands in an exact way, the way prescribed in Jewish tradition. Those people were making little mistakes in in, in their protocol about hand-washing, like little specks of sawdust. But then those Jewish leaders themselves would violate God's laws in very big ways. Uh, they would ignore people with serious disabilities like blindness or paralysis. They were refusing to love other people as God had commanded in his law. So they were violating the big laws of God, the real essential and foundational laws, like loving other people. Yet at the same time, they were condemning others for little violations of protocol. Jesus is describing them as being spiritually blind, with huge planks of wood, as it were, protruding from their own eyes. Yet they thought they had perfect eyesight that they could see and judge all the little violations of God's law or the Jewish rituals that they observed in others. 
The words of Jesus about not judging have to be understood in that context. Now, of course, the same kind of thing is quite common today. Even among followers of Jesus or those claiming to be his followers. I know of some Christian people in some Christian circles where you'll be judged and condemned if you would drink a glass of wine with your meal. Drinking any alcohol is forbidden by these folks. Or likewise, they might condemn you if you go to a movie or if you dance with your spouse in a pure way. (laughs) Look, in many American churches, you'll be condemned if you're simply a Democrat. Or if you refuse to vote for the leading Republican candidate, you'll be judged and condemned. In our current situation, many believers might condemn you if you're simply following the rules to prevent the spread of COVID. Or if you wear a mask, you'll you'll be condemned, you'll, you'll be judged, as though you don't have enough faith. You have too much fear. Judgments all around, even today. Here's my point. It was not only the Jewish leaders back then, but any of us, and frankly, all of us, can fall into this kind of legalistic judgmentalism. Whether we're of the political right or the political left, whether we're in the church or outside the church, we simply too easily condemn those who don't agree with our opinions. And what Jesus is getting at in these verses is that we're not evaluating ourselves strictly enough. We're very strict on others, on their words, their behaviors, their opinions, their lifestyle, but we go easy on ourselves. We excuse our pride, our selfishness. We might excuse our anger or our lust or any kind of immorality. And we'll excuse our big sins, but at the same time, We're condemning others for their minor faults, their little mistakes. Look first at yourself, Jesus is saying. Examine yourself carefully. Take inventory of your own heart and life before you go in judgment of others. So how can we then make better judgments? How can we more properly evaluate ourselves and others? Well, let me go on to suggest five things about that. Five things altogether from various Bible verses. No, it's not a perfect list, and it might not even be a complete list, but just five things that might help us give at least a a starting point for going to someone with correction or or gentle rebuke or some kind of um, other opinion if we see things not quite right in their lives. I'm going to mention two things now, and I'll save three more for the next episode. The first is very basic. Before you begin to judge anyone else, look deep inside your own heart. Examine your own soul. Make sure that you are truly following Jesus. In fact, in context, in Matthew 7, Jesus is really saying this is the first thing that you must make sure your heart is right with God before you go in judgment of others. We would say, as the New Testament later teaches it, we must be trusting in Jesus and following him as our Savior and Lord before we go to others. Let me just illustrate this in the context of Matthew chapter 7. 
Matthew 7 is part of the so-called Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' sermon, he never calls it that, but that's been the label put on it. His, His lengthy teaching given from that hillside along the Sea of Galilee, given to his disciples and also to a gathered crowd of people. It begins in Matthew chapter 5, and it continues through chapter 6 and 7. It starts in Matthew 5 with the so-called Beatitudes. In Latin, beatus means blessed, blessed by God. The Beatitudes, then, are literally about those who are blessed. Blessed by God, that is, favored by God, given good gifts by God. So Matthew 5, verse 3, for example, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn. To be poor in spirit means this, that that we're recognizing our spiritual poverty before God. We must humble ourselves before God. We must admit to him that we are imperfect, that we have many faults and failures, and that God is, is just, he is fair to actually condemn us for our faults. And we should be mourning over our faults, sad about our, our failures before him. We should be grieving about those sins. And a later beatitude says we should also be hungering and thirsting for righteousness. The early chapters of the book of Romans explain that's a hungering, a desiring of God's kind of righteousness. We should hunger to be seen as righteous, spiritually all right before God. And in the book of Romans, the opening chapter says this righteousness of God is actually credited to us. That God credits to us the righteousness of Jesus as we put our faith in Jesus. And then we're fully forgiven of all of our sins. So if you're going to evaluate other people, if you're even going to form opinions about their words or works, their attitudes or opinions, first make sure of this, that you've humbled yourself, that you're following Jesus, that you're seeking to obey Jesus. I think of the words that Jesus himself speaks a few chapters later. Matthew chapter 11, he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Make sure you've come to Jesus first. And a second suggestion follows on this. Before you would go in any evaluation of someone else, clearly admit to them your own faults and failures. Not only admit or humble yourself before God, but humble yourself before other people. You know, as followers of Jesus, that's a a continual struggle for us. It's something that we as followers of Jesus have to continually be learning and practicing more and more humility, the humility of Jesus. You know, I just quoted from Matthew 11, verse 28, about the weary coming to Jesus and finding spiritual rest in him. In the next verse, Matthew 11, verse 29, Jesus says this, Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Oh, and it takes a lifetime to be learning from Jesus, learning especially how to be more gentle and humble in heart. The Bible repeatedly tells us that we must have that attitude in us, an attitude of humility and gentleness, the attitude of Jesus. 
So as we go in some kind of judgment or some kind of correcting of someone else, we must show them humility. We must humble ourselves before them as we're going to them. You know, isn't that the thing that really bugs us when someone else comes to correct us? <laughs> they come from such a high and lofty position sometimes. They come so proudly, so arrogantly, as though they are always right. Or in spiritual matters, religious matters, they are high up in the clouds of, of high spirituality and morality, and they're looking down upon us, condemning us from their lofty heights. Oh, that can really bug us. You see, if we're going to bring some kind of correction to someone else, then we not only need humility, the humility of Jesus, but I think we have to speak it to that other person. We have to literally say how we're coming to them humbly. That's what we really want to do here, to come to them humbly. So maybe language like this might help us to say something like this. You know, I'm coming to you as a friend. And I want you to know that I have my own struggles in life. I'm trying to follow Jesus and live for him, but sometimes I mess up. And sometimes even big time. So, I want to bring up something to you that I've been noticing in your own life. But I really want to say to you that I, I know I'm imperfect myself. I'm imperfect in so many ways. So I hope you'll hear me. I'm coming to you as a friend. Of course, not those exact words, but that kind of tone. Going to that other person displaying a, a very humble and gentle attitude. And you see, when we speak that way, when we speak humbly and gently, that other person should become more open to actually hear us and will be less defensive about the situation. Look, this applies practically to parents. Parents, you have to make judgments, evaluations about your children. Parents, go gently, go humbly to your children. Yes, we know you're in a God-given position of authority over your child, but don't flaunt that. Don't flaunt that. Don't, don't speak so strongly or proudly about your position. Be gentle. Be humble to your child. It applies to teenagers and young adults. You sometimes want to make judgment about your, your parents and, and their faults. But as you go to them to seek to correct them, make sure you're, you yourselves are gentle and humble. Make sure you're speaking very carefully to your parents. You know, same things with applies to teachers in school who sometimes have to correct or rebuke their students. Or students, if you think you're being wronged by a teacher, go to that teacher humbly, gently. Husbands and wives in marriage, those in, in friendships, fellow members of the church who are all trying to help one another, for all of us then, go more humbly and gently. And here's something that's related to this spirit of humility. It's always important to remember that we never know the full situation of that other person. We may have just heard them speak some wrong words, or we've observed a wrong attitude or an action, but 
we don't know the full context. You know, the Jewish religious leaders in Jesus' day were quick to harshly judge and condemn Jesus. They did that on one occasion as they saw him heal a person on their Sabbath day, the seventh day of the week, our Saturday. Those Jewish leaders judged and condemned Jesus for that, for violating a Sabbath rule. I don't have time to read the full story. If you want to, you can read it for yourself. It's found in John chapter 7. Jesus basically tells them that they didn't understand the full context of what was going on. For one thing, they didn't understand the meaning of the Sabbath day. They also didn't know the full situation of the man who needed healing. So Jesus says this, John 7 verse 24, good words. Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances and make right judgments. Stop judging by mere appearances and make right judgments. So when we go today to someone, not only must we go humbly, but we must recognize that we probably don't know the full situation. We don't know the whole context. So then we might use language like this. You know, my friend, my brother or sister in the Lord, I've, I've noticed something that I want to bring up to you, but I realize that I'm probably missing something. I'm sure there's a lot more going on. So let me ask you about it. I've noticed this and and say what you've seen or heard. Could you help me understand this better? Could you tell me more about it? I knew a church leader who once came so strongly to a church member. They hadn't been in church for several weeks and that leader just wanted to rebuke that young man. Why aren't you in church? And he called him up on the phone. That's another mistake. When you're going to rebuke or correct someone, go to them privately in a personal conversation. Basically, this young man was in the cold of winter. He had to take two buses to arrive at church. Besides, he had just lost his job. He was a bit discouraged. But this church leader so attacked him and rebuked him so harshly that the man said, He never even cared about my situation. He never even bothered to find out. The young man ended up resigning his church membership. So when we go to someone, to a friend, to a colleague, to a brother or sister in church, let's go seeking to understand the full situation. Ask them more about their life. Let's not make wrong judgments in the wrong way. But let's have more of the mind of Jesus. Let's go in humility and let's seek to really understand people and their sometimes difficult situations in life. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Randall. This podcast is produced by my brothers in Christ, Dennis and Moses. Won't you tell your friends about us? We're Mission Upside Down. Thank you.